Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, welcome to The Guinea Pig. I'm Dr. Mariam Zamani, an oculoplastic surgeon and aesthetic doctor. And I'm Fiona Golfa, a writer and journalist. I'm no stranger to a cosmetic procedure, and I'm willing to try pretty much anything. Which is why I'm here to make sure Fiona and anyone else that's out there considering a treatment to help make a better informed decision safely and to try and collect as much information as they can. Every fortnight, this podcast comes to you from Mariam's Clinic in Chelsea. If you're looking for an honest, no-holds-barred approach to invasive and non-invasive cosmetic surgery, then the guinea pig is here to help you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the guinea pig. As always, I am here with Fee, who's going to be telling you about our fabulous next guest. Hi, welcome back to the clinic. Nice to see you, Mariam. And welcome Dr. Tamsin Lewis, who leads Wellgevity, which is a medical wellness service which brings the science of longevity and health span to the individual. So we'll find out all about that and why we need to know about biohacking. So you are a medically qualified doctor. You went to King's College in London and guys and St. Thomas's Hospital. You're also, if I remember correctly, you're like a super triathlon. Like you're super sporty. Now have sort of created a niche for yourself in terms of biohacking and wellness. And tell us a little bit about Wellgevity to start off with. Sure. So Wellgevity was just a name and a that I came up with in my head two years ago now when I was thinking about what to iterate my business into, um, which at the time was something called Fiber Health, which a few people had pointed out sounds too related to gut movements. So I came up with this idea of blending wellness and longevity, two key sort of trends and themes together in one word. Basically, it's the result of my experience both as a medical doctor, then as a psychiatrist, and also as a professional athlete and the learnings from that and how I apply that to help more everyday people be a better version of themselves, essentially. How to create their own, as you've mentioned already, health span, living well longer. So optimal health management, like where do you begin with that? It's very much a personalized approach. I think you have to meet the person where they're at. But there are basic principles behind the approach. And that is very much looking at someone's age medical risk factors, family history, all the standard things we look at as as clinicians, but also then looking at the psychological drivers to the behaviors that potentially are impacting their health, both in the now and both then for the future. 
So what that practically looks like is, an, is a very much an exploratory session. We do a full blood test, a very deep dive with most people, looking at cardiovascular health, looking at um, an extensive range of vitamin, mineral, nutrient markers, and not just looking at big deficiencies, but also where they sit in the ranges and aiming for more optimal. But like I say, longevity covers a range of what we call domains, and that looks at nutrition, lifestyle, genetics, and epigenetics, which is rate of aging. And, and basically puts together a strategy for people on, on how to improve. And that can be focusing on different areas of their life at different times. Yeah, and I do like to work you know, quite intensively with people. So I don't take on a huge amount of people. I work with a nutritionist, a health coach, and a, and a range of specialists to kind of get the best for the person where they're at. And, you know, this word biohacking, what does that mean, really? Uh, me. I can simplify, but give you a bit of background because it's become like a trend. You know, it's a hashtag now. So people are all like, oh, let's follow this whole biohacking trend. Um, and I've been involved in that world for a long time with one of the original biohackers, which is a chap called Ben Greenfield, who I met in racing up a hill in a triathlon in Thailand and then again on the dance floor semi-naked later that night (laughs) and I was looking at this guy and people were like don't you know who he is and I'm like I don't know who this guy is he's the original number one biohacker and I remember thinking huh sounds quite cool what does he do I mean obviously was ripped (laughs) so I I came across biohacking that way but thinking about and it's a whole idea you can get much more out of your body that you are not in this inevitable decline and that you back-to-back treatments, tools, supplements, anything you can that can sort of accelerate the rate at which you can perform, feel better and also slow down the aging process. So it's using a set, set of tools, techniques to really tap into your biology and to affect that and that's the word hack. So really sort of get in there and sort of hack a process it could be hacking your sleep or it could be hacking your sex drive using snorting oxytocin for example there's levels here but you know there's there's a lot of extremes in biohacking too and i try to steer people away towards a middle ground away from what are you doing when you're snorting an oxytocin not that i'm against the idea at all but (laughs) wouldn't mind knowing what that involved yeah i mean oxytocin is known as the love drug and people like ben greenfield and also dave asprey who's the bulletproof executive made it quite sexy as it were to use these things to try and stimulate or hyper stimulate the same process in your body so oxytocin you you famously secrete when you're in love or breastfeeding or giving birth and it it stimulates a really relaxation and sense of love and connectedness so snorting it is available i mean you can buy it but um it's delivering a hormone up through your nose with a view to making you feel a certain way Interesting. Biohacking, is it to diminish the decline as you get older or is it to actually make you better than where you are today? Well, I think biohacking is a series of techniques, okay? And I think the goal outcome is different for different people at different times. So it can be, how do I biohack my sex drive? How do I biohack my brain function? Mm. How do I biohack my rate of aging? And I think the tools for each are different. I mean, I think, as you say, there's levels of biohacking you know some people take it to extreme and some very famous in America anyway biohackers you know have taken it too far and that is you know there's a lot of people that fall off the ledge and are injecting you know million different things that have no evidence base for and are probably contradicting each other and can cause problems so I think there's a safety aspect many biohackers are known as extremists and have a fridge full of 
you know growth hormone uh, yeah. yeah i mean well a growth hormone stimulating peptides which you can buy off the internet and all you know variety of qualities so I think, you know, we have to sort of tease apart what's safe, what's not safe. And very much as a, as a doctor, and you're the same, you know, it's, it's, it's safety first. So I go for the lifestyle and the safer hacks before looking at the, the, the injectables, for example, and the snorters. <laughs> are you still an elite triathlete or are you former? former? No, former very much. Um, as you know, I've had this the ridiculous long COVID that we won't go into now, but I was an elite triathlete that went into the sport quite late in life when I was already qualified as a doctor. I split up with a boyfriend that was a triathlete and took it up because just despite him and discovered I was quite good. My dad was a professional cyclist, so I had some genes there, but... Um, I, I officially retired um, because I was pregnant 12 hours before winning the Ironman UK in 2014. Oh, my God. <laughs> so um, my daughter's officially the youngest <laughs> bundle of cells to win an Ironman. <laughs> but has that then, like, influenced how you've, you know, come across or created your uh, longevity clinic? For sure, because I, I kind of, when I crossed that line, winning this event which is a crazy you know a long way and I'd never run a marathon before and let alone done it at the end of a 112 mile bike and 2.4 mile swim in the freezing cold so the fact that I won it kind of opened up and then the journey to that was very much me going well if I can do this you know if I can get my body to the state of doing this there's a lot more in each person individual that's the, the sense of potential and possibility so on that journey, I'd started off a company that was blood testing. Um, it started off as athletes, but then it turned to more, you know, the CEOs that wanted to run a marathon and all that kind of thing. So I started to say, right, if we modify your magnesium, your testosterone, your XYZ biomarker, then the output is is much better. And the way to get there is, you know, changing your diet, adding some supplements, sometimes some medicines. And the shift in, in what those people could achieve was extraordinary. Mm. Um, so that's where the, the business came, came about, really. And, and there's a lot of an underlie of um, psychological coaching that, that comes in it. What are the body's systems that influence how you age when you're looking at somebody in terms of mental age, physical age, physical meaning not just movement and body but also like skin quality and all of the other bits the externals well when we when we do the testing i so i was part of my sort of scientific advisory role i work with a company called humanity which is looking at rate of aging through a blood test and an epigenetic test when i say epigenetic test i mean um that looks at your rate of dna aging and so these methyl groups are stuck onto your dna and they modify at the expression of various different genes so I'm very much interested in how biologically we are aging. And there's like one of the ways of measuring that, as I said, is a series of blood tests that look at inflammation, look at hormone levels. They use an algorithm to determine your sort of pheno age from that. And then there's also the epigenetic, which is a saliva test. So those are what we look at. You know, this is the new field, this whole epigenetics and, you know, rate of aging and how we influence it feel. But it's very interesting, very popular, the idea that we actually are not a destiny uh, you know we don't have to you know as everyone says oh I'm just getting older that we can challenge that that mindset is good so those are one thing then we look at like you said the rate you know skin aging potentially I'd work with someone you know like you to look at the collagen also the effects of smoking and pollution etc but also then looking at the, the effects of hormonal degradation as we age so sex hormones being the female hormones in men lowering of testosterone increasing estrogen as they get older and fatter and 
drink too much, they convert all their testosterone to estrogen, which can take away from their sort of androgenic manly appearance. So that's one other Give thing. Give some boobs. Um, yeah, so we can we look at that. And then we look at body composition, which is important. So lean body mass, especially, and waist circumference. Quad. Lean body mass. I'd like to have some of that. <laughs> I think you're mostly lean body mass, No, you? you know, I'm a skinny fat person. Mm. I mean, it's been quantified twice, actually. My trainer tells me all the time. And then I went to Lancerhoff, and they told me that actually my skeletal muscle mass is not as high. I, even though I work my muscles, I just don't, I don't make muscle mass. Boo-hoo mm. for me. That's related to the drivers of creating muscle mass, which is sufficient protein, amino acid intake, and then also the hormonal drivers, looking at your DHEA and your testosterone. Probably non-existent. I should probably do all of that again. I haven't done that in ages. All these things that I want to do. I find this super fascinating because basically you're collating information and trying to find the best way forward. Like, you know, my biggest worry when doing these sorts of tests is like, how frequently do you have to do them in order to get the best outcome? Because at the end of the day, if you're changing things around, you know, you have to wait a certain amount of time before you can see the effect on the body. Because is it just that you're constantly taking blood tests and different kinds of tests to see if that's happening? Because that, that for me is the hard part. Getting the program, super happy to do, but then the maintenance of it, what does that entail usually? I agree. It's boring and having been, the, you know, taking my blood almost every few weeks for the last... 10 months, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on, on you know, the, the ball that goes with repeat testing. The point of testing in the first place is, is I like to create a picture of someone and very much like stratify out like what are their weaknesses and how do we really affect change in that? Where does someone want to get to? Is it weight? Is it brain? Is it everything? How do we monitor that? You know, that doesn't mean you have to have a series of blood tests, but it is there's a lot of accountability in repeating a blood test. So I'm thinking like the tangible things like iron and B12, you know, a lot of women are very low on iron and often we do iron infusions. You know, it's nice to see if that marker has gone up, but I don't think, you know, in and of itself that doing a, a test more than twice a year is important as long as you get enough insight in the full mapping in the first place to really know mm. what, what and who you are and how we can, how we can keep an eye on that. What age do you think this should start happening? I think we're a lot more flexible than we think we are with our capacity. But, you know, your 30s are really where you should start looking at a damage limitation strategy for life. I did four weeks of biohacking. I did a piece about it about two years ago, three years ago. So I went to a place. I was curious because it was a language that I don't speak. Everyone's like, what is biohacking? What is it? What is it? And so I thought I'd try and go and find out and translate it into lay speak. So I went and I did all the tests and I did all the blood tests and I went on all the machines and I felt I'm looking at my phone here because there are so many words of machines that I can't even pronounce that I did. But I had a kind of blood and stool test. My stools were sent to America. I did comprehensive blood tests. So I did cholesterol and vitamins and all the things. And then I went on a huge series of machines. So it was like optimum performance in the shortest amount of time to kind of optimise my physical health. So I've been listening to you and sort of comparing it to what I, I did and how I felt about doing it as a lay person who's kind of... I'm not an athlete. I'm not even a Mariam who exercises regularly. I'm a sort of... You exercise regularly. Yeah, no, you do. I do regularise. I regularly... Um, and it was quite interesting. So I had all sorts of... So I had a blood and stool test to analyse my health and gut function. I did my blood sugars and food intolerances. I had a 3D body scan on the turntable. I went on all sorts of machines. So I went on a body breathalyzer. I went on all the sports sort of breathalyzer things. 
I had a mask, a cortex mask fitted over my face to see what my, um, sorry, I'm looking at on my phone because it's so long ago, I couldn't remember it a week after, let alone a year after. <laughs> what fuels um, you were burning? To see what fuels I was burning. And then I worked with a nutritionist. So my cholesterol level is and always has been off the chart. Some of it I found really fun. Some of it was like, how long am I actually going to stick with it as a lay person? Because quite a lot was involved. But it's a very interesting kind of thorough look into where your body's at, what I found. What do you remember from it? That's, that's all I like to ask people, like, because you know, there's a lot of information there. How was the information I delivered? remember thinking that the technology, well, it was quite intensive, as it always is. So if you're a journalist and you're going into something, mm. you're given probably intense, yeah. an intense dose of something that you should probably kind of span out over six months. But actually what I remember was liking some of the machines. So there was a machine I went into that was like a pod that you were sort of vacuum packed into this pod and then you cycled and you had a screen in front of me and you could cycle through New York or the Amazon or whatever. And it was a kind of optimum fitness. So in 30 minutes, I burnt off sort of, you know, 1,200 calories. That was thrilling. So yeah. I like the idea that you could go somewhere and do kind of minimal effort, uh, effort <laughs> and maximal results. I really enjoyed the nutrition part. You know, I'm 58 and I know kind of enough about nutrition, but it was a really good reminder and a boost. I think the whole 3D body scan is interesting. But what did you learn? Like, I learned that I'm not as away? fat as I think I am. <laughs> I learned that I have a lot of muscle. And that I suppose it was the most interesting is probably the blood test and the nutrition stuff. So, you know, if I'm going to address my cholesterol, how? Do you, Do you have, have cholesterol? cholesterol? I have really, really high cholesterol. No, you don't. Really, really how high cholesterol. And I won't take so statins. Much <gasps> mm. the horror of, uh, of a lot of my friends. But I won't take statins because every time I've tried to go on to statins, I either get twitching legs or I get quite a strong response to statins. I love that we're at the age that, you know, we go to dinner parties and we talk about our cholesterol levels mm-hmm. and then they you know, comment on who's doing what. But we'll get back to that fee because you really should do something. I was interested in it and I liked it. And I like the idea of kind of science meets. I really thought that was an interesting and I and I love how thorough it is. But uh, have, What about these oxygen The oxygen chamber I absolutely did not like doing. They Why? put me inside, it looks like a coffin, and everybody loved it and I got in and said, get me out of here. I think it's just how much do you like being zipped into a... Yes, but they say for your cognitive abilities your cognitive, it's meant to be yeah. stab off. What, what are your thoughts on the oxygen chamber? Well, it's chamber? received a lot of attention recently because of the Israeli study that yes. came out a few a month ago. So basically, you know, the, the it slowed down the rate of aging, the telomere attrition by like 25%, which is extraordinary in a three-month period. And so that raised everyone's eyebrows. But how often would you have to do it? Well, the study was ridiculous. A lot. It was, yeah, yeah, it was like five days a week for 90 yeah. minutes uh, for three I mean, months, something like that. But, you know, there's got to be an extrapolation of that. I like that approach of right, really getting a full baseline. But is it necessary? It's absolutely not necessary. Mm. It's not necessary to spend thousands of pounds like getting that full picture. You can, if you want to, to get a real, you know, a look because there's a lot, you know, a lot of the time people manage dysfunction day in day out, mm. and if you can have something that flags up, look, this is a big driver. Mm-hmm. You know, why is your cholesterol that high? It's probably, you know, diet has a small influence, but it's probably genetic. a big genetic component That's there. what, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so you really need to... And if you saw the rest of my family, who are all dead because they got so fat and <laughs> dropped dead. But I mean, yes, I definitely, heart failure and cholesterol are huge in my family. But, you know, you have to then, you look at that and go, what can I maintain in my everyday? Yeah. You know, I'm strong, but, you know, my 
my thing I need to look at is, is my cholesterol. So I think it's really giving people key points to work out. The gut health is interesting, but the reliability of a lot of those tests is terrible, mm. as we've recently seen. So I think... Why are they so terrible? You know, some people poo twice a day, and the composition of it is variable. So, so mm. we've had times where people send these kits to um, split sample, they call them. So they put them in different names and send them on the different days and have come up with different results oh, for wow. some of them, which I think is a complete waste of 400 quid test. I'm looking through the prices, and it's been a while since... I mean, since I went there, but a blood panel is three hundred pounds. Mm. Test a, a sort of a, a, a stool test is nine hundred and twenty. A three D wow. body scan one hundred and ten pounds. I mean, it's interesting to know a resting metabolic rate analysis two hundred and ninety. It's a big business. It's a big business, yeah. and you know, I do. I currently work at the Lanzerhof part time in Mayfair, and they've got that amazing clinic there. And uh, as you know, and. You know, people spend a lot of money. And I look back and say, what, like, what is really necessary? Because the more money you spend sometimes, people are like, I can't keep this up. And then they attach the getting well bit to the amount it costs. So there's a divergence between the two, and then they give up. So it's like, let's look at the big levers and be really practical here. What do you need to do to be to be more well? And really, it is our day-to-day interaction with our environment combined with our genetics. And we don't need to even need to do a genetic test. You just look at your parents and you see, like, what am I going to become if I continue to do behaviours like them? Quite large. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hard part is actually the behaviour bit. So it's, it's easy to do anything for a short period of time. You know, I can go on a juice for five days and that, mean, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to have the chocolate chip cookies the minute I finish the juice you know so mm. how do you change the mindset to make it a, a way of life really good question people like to like uh, like to see change so you know if they lose weight that's a tangible change if their brain fog lifts because they stop alcohol that's a tangible change but I try and work around people's lives so I get to know people so I see their lives right and if you could take away you know your croissant and coffee every day or even just take the croissant away just small things that will add up to a big impact it might not be you losing two stone in a month but um small daily behaviors really add up so if you can get people to really do things incrementally i think that's helpful so it's your way of working with somebody that somebody will come to you and you kind of sign up or they sign up as it were to work with you for a month or two months like how does it work i'm changing with you? to that way of working because i don't think uh, i don't really like a fee-for-service model because it makes you know you go on an hourly rate and really you're spending a lot of time outside of that doing things so that's the way i'm, I'm moving to doing more program based and some retreats as well i'm working with a company called the extraordinary adventure club who do uh, retreat-based immersions or life-changing immersions hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth Hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com so I think you have to show people that it's possible. People love resets. They love going away to a retreat and, you know, fasting or doing some stuff. And that's important. I think, you know, don't take away from the fact that doing a week's or even three-day juice cleanse 
may reset. You know, it's looking at the macro over the course of a year. It's probably going to be doing you a lot, a lot of good, doing some periods of mini fasting, mini juice cleanses, etc. But it's that, it's the offset as well. It's like not using it as an excuse because you feel holier than thou to then go on a binge. Um, I mean, I love going away because I like being institutionalized. So I really, I do though. And I think if I'm going to go away and do some weight, which is something that I've historically done a couple of times a year because, you know, on it goes or once a year if I can. And I've been lucky enough to do that because I'm a journalist and so I can go and review places. But now a lot of people who I know, who I've worked with or friends of mine who aren't journalists and actually go to these places and, you know, fork out real money, they can't and or they don't want to because they're rethinking how they live. They don't want to get on a plane, the idea of getting on a plane to go away and be well. So it's like there has to be a new way of resetting your thinking, which for me, you talk about that kind of, you know, give up the coffee or give up the croissant. And I call it waiting for the click because it just doesn't happen unless the click comes. And when the click comes, I can absolutely do it and I can do it for a month or two months. But in between times, I long for the, at the moment, I'm, I'm in such a bad mood because I'm just so overweight. And it's been a sort of COVID creep up of, you know, I can't tell you how many chocolates and crisps and rubbish that I've eaten. There isn't that opportunity to go away and reset myself. And so I think people, increasingly people who never think about their health and their body and their, are, are very anxious about the weight that they've gained and mm. the kind of the COVID effect of this kind of we've all blanketed ourselves in sort of feel goodness. And so that kind of how to really take that first step to reset, what would you advise people to, you know, who may, may be listening to you today who are thinking, I just need that kick, that impetus, and, and what, what can I do to get myself into that mindset? Yeah, I'm really locked I'm, up in a clinic in Germany. Totally, totally agree with you. And I think that's why we're thinking about more like UK-based reset programs mm. for people. Um, uh, with B- uh, Bamford, particularly, they're doing a lot more of these resets. And we're going to be doing some workshops down there in the Cotswolds, which is, you know, keeping retraining you, basically, so you don't feel attached to the foods as much. But I think in a day-to-day and a practical, non-expensive way, it's having accountability it's having someone to motivate you. Mm-hmm. It's having someone checking in every day. And it's having a goal that's bigger than yourself. Like, because, you know, we all have a lot of self-esteem stuff that's driven and, you know, and, and, and with you COVID. You could be the Joe Weeks of, yeah. is that his name? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit about Joe Weeks. Wicks. Although Joe Wicks. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't do him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but people come away with that like, wow, it's too much. But I think... Um, from what I know, people need to feel held and nourished and and have someone there to kind of say, look, not that, that. Um, but not to do it in a binary sort of punishing way, to, but to sort of encourage you to have, put something in its place. And that could be, you know, like an infrared pop-up sauna that you can get at home that I've, that I've got and red light therapy. It's, it's doing stuff that encourages what we call eudaimonic happiness as opposed to hedonic, which is the, the stimulants, the, you know, the, the serotonin from the chocolate and the, and the dopamine from the sugar and the alcohol and the combo. It's, it's very much encouraging those behaviours as well. And it would it be fantastic if there had been in the same way that there were so many Zoom exercise classes, which I did do, Zoom exercise classes, but had I known of a sort of motivational food Zoom that one could go on, I probably would have, because I think that the loneliness of having been 
on one, you know, kind of stuck in the house or with the family or whatever it is that people find this kind of this the and the comfort that people have been giving themselves with food. Mm. Now that we're talking, I think it's it's quite interesting that there wasn't something that that there wasn't more publicised in your area. Yeah, it's it's crazy because of the mental health aspects, yeah. you know, have blown mm. up. Yeah. In, in this because we've all been forced into very confined containers which mm-hmm. we're not used to yeah I totally agree I think that there needs to be much more on that I think we've got a bit of zoom fatigue and motivation yeah. fatigue actually I think because when all this started mm. I was you know never not doing a seven minute workout and I live in the countryside so I could I was doing big big walks bigger walks than I'd ever done before mm. I found an app called I walk Cornwall and I was all over the place but it's worn off you have to keep it different I think that's the thing that's why the resets are so nice so I love going on a reset I very rarely do it I try to do it once a year if I can but I really like it because it's exactly as you say it's a reset it takes you out of your norm someone else gives you a routine that they've already said that works for most people and you do that routine and you don't think about anything because somebody's organized it all for you so mm really kind of mindless in a way you're resting your brain at the same time I find so it's it's really like you know usually your wi-fi doesn't work in those areas you don't have computer access like you're just you know doing not much which is really also for someone like me like the mental like not having anything to do is really heaven you know so I miss those things too I, I wish that there was a way to be able to do that I would do it in England I don't know why I don't feel I can trust it as much if it's in it. I think maybe... there's a lack of the idea of going somewhere to do it for the kind of one percent I think we're talking about but if you were somebody who's at home listening to this and thinking actually I wouldn't mind biohacking myself mm. what would you suggest that the listener maybe invests in mm-hmm. in terms of you know should I be learning myself more. a blood pressure machine what should I do if I wanted to say spend I don't know, I'm just going to like throw it out like three to five hundred pounds mm. on investing on my own best health mm-hmm. to have at home. Where would I begin if I wanted to be a biohacking? <sighs> I really like the aura ring. I know we've talked about this before. It's this, it's this ring that measures your heart rate, your heart rate variability, which is a proxy for stress. It also measures your movement. It it's also, an aura ring. Yeah, O U R A. It's a Finnish company. I've seen them on people. I used to wear one. Celebs, yeah. They're very sticky. You know, people keep them on a lot more than other wearables. And also there's an accountability factor that you can sign up to. Like I have a practitioner dashboard with, you know, clients on it and we, we can sit on Zoom and talk about it. But it, it is that virtual accountability partner in a way because it encourages you to move. That is interesting. They are about 300 euros, I think. Um, so essentially you could get out of bed, take your Simprove, mm-hmm. tap your ring, do 10 minutes of breathing mm-hmm. and... I like the red light with it as well, and you can buy them. I use red light rising, which are a bit more expensive, but you can buy them on eBay, you know, relatively cheaply, just get a a powerful red light. And that cause has an impact on your mood and your, and also allegedly your mitochondria, which are the powerhouse of the energy production. So I do that, I'll do some breathing. That's exactly what I do, actually. I forget that I do these things. I also have another wearable that buzzes on me to, to, to change my nervous system. But for, forget that for now. Breathing's important. I think then encouraging people, you know, the Wim Hof app is really interesting. He's one of the original biohackers as well, the Iceman, who became famous for hacking his depression and suicidality through going out into the snow, changing his breathing. He has a free app. 
I sometimes do some of his. And he's called Windhoff. Wim Hof. Wim Hof. Um, yeah, he's he's called the Iceman. So he encourages people to do cold immersion, whether that be just a cold shower, because that then changes your your noradrenaline levels and your increases your brown fat, which burns fat. Um, so I would do I would do that. Um, do you do that? Do you do um, cold water therapy? Yeah, I, I I do. I really every I, day. No, uh, you don't do it when you're sick. So I got, I'm, I'm the classic over-exerter and, you know, I've made myself worse in the past by overdoing things. A good way to start for people is just turning the cold water in the shower onto the coldest setting and timing yourself for a minute. And then there's a long time in I the do cold. it every day. Oh, my God, you I do, do that, that every day. That's yeah. so Although good. I'll tell you something, my water in London is colder than my water in Cornwall. Really? In the shower, weirdly. It's funny. But I swim in the sea in Cornwall. <gasps> I mean, not anymore, but and a lot of my friends still do. But there's mm. such a lot of talk about cold water at the moment i know yeah and actually i started to read more negative stuff about it recently but mm, i mean, really lot, well what they say some people say it doesn't make you it doesn't simulate the brain but it's incredibly controversial well, it's, well, it's incredibly topical at the moment cold water swimming i started to do that in the shower when and you know i wrote that piece about bathing recently but i also I find that it completely resets my brain. If I have a shower and then at the end of it, I just turn the water to cold and I count down every morning. And it, it you count re- down it, from sixty. Yeah, wow. I count down. I stand there. Do I'm going to say fuck tonight. quite a lot, but I, I, I'm like, fuck, 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 and then. And then I do it and I come out and it literally resets me. Re- it switches my thinking. Mm. Whereas I bathe at night. I've just written a big piece about bathing. And the kind of the so whole. you've always loved. Um, she loves the whole I water. Doing, but actually, I spoke to a, a psychologist about it, and so the cold water resets you. But your best thinking, your actual best thinking, is done if you're lying quietly in a bath because mm. it's your freest place. It's your womb. It's your womb. So you go into a bath, and the big ideas come of all places. They, mm. they often come in the bath because you're not multitasking. Mm-hmm. I agree with the cold. I, I think it's easy to get it wrong. I mean, I had this episode when I went to, 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 to away on this retreat. My cardiovascular system's been a bit unstable with long COVID, and I was in the sauna, then I went in the cold, and I'm like, oh, this feels nice. So I stayed in for there for like four minutes. And, you know, you have to understand it completely takes your brain functioning down because your, your body's not stupid. If you freeze it, it's going to reduce its cellular energy output. So anyway, I, I ended up feeling okay, and then I sort of feel a bit dizzy, and I thought oh, I should get out. And I basically didn't quite make I made it out, and then I passed out, and I've never fainted. So it was, it's wow. a sign to, like, say, you know, you can take this a bit too far and there's so many examples of people doing free diving in cold water who you know Wim himself told me he's you know he's nearly died on multiple occasions so it has to come with a flag you know do a cold a cold bath are great you'll be surprised like with wearing the aura ring device when I've done a cold bath that it must be about 10 degrees and I can do you know 5 10 up to 15 minutes you can really see how low your heart rate Mm. drops and that is putting you into this sort of very mellow very a coherent state we're not very coherent these days because it's, of all the buzz yes it definitely clears the clears the head i did a lot of cryo as well when i was at lanzerhof did you go in the cryo chamber um i like it i don't love it but mm. yeah i've done a few times definitely it's kind of a it. reboot mm. it's different different horses for courses i think you need to look at that well and, and skinnier people don't do as well in the cold um it's, it's, you know you were better off being an infrared sauna those pop-up fur zone ones are like 200 quid and they're amazing. I've used mine so much in lockdown. Um, just sit on the floor and, what will it and do boil in the me? bag. 
that infrared sauna, what's it doing to me? So you'll sweat quite a lot. So you can build up tolerance, stay in there 30, 40 minutes. You will, will sweat quite a lot because it's not the heat. It's penetrating the skin. So you do have an intense sweat, which is detoxifying. The evidence shows that you really secrete, you know, heavy metals and all sorts from pollution in there. It's going to improve your metabolic rate because it's it's affecting your mitochondria and your your muscles and it improves your mood. Uh, I think that's what people notice. I like the light therapies. They've been clinically proven for skin rejuvenation, but also I think for mood enhancement, it's just makes you feel warm and fuzzy and mm. just in a better place. Mm-hmm. And like we have far too much blue light. We have, we have far so too much blue, blue too much gray outside and, you know, too much gray you know we are i think the key thing i want people to understand is you are dynamic individuals and you on a hourly minute no even a minute to minute basis are interacting with your environment and you know a few years down the line we are going to be able to measure that that's the way we're going you'll have a, a patch on your skin that will tell you what is the best thing to do in that given moment we're not quite there yet many athletes many formula one are already being patched up you change on a moment-to-moment basis so being accepting that and really working with your environment is important being aware of it is the first thing so important what are you excited about what's coming out new in the world of biohacking i'm really excited about um, the work of david sinclair who wrote who's a professor at harvard who wrote a book called lifespan this year and he has actually regenerated the optic nerve through a series of experiments in mice so which has basically made blind mice see which is really cool so the idea that we can alter biochemically the rate of our dna expression is is really interesting i think some of the work with stem cells is interesting mapping them you know pointing them in the right direction as you probably know in your work this is the era of people opening up physically mentally with themselves and accepting that actually health is far more than a sum of parts and that it's really about this concept of flourishing as a whole and that goes back down to accepting vulnerability and I think Brené Brown has done a lot of good work in that field and I think if you can accept vulnerabilities and work a little bit with your psychology I think there's a lot more potential that you can be open to. I think I need to be biohacked. What about you, Fee? I was just looking at the things that I loved when I when I, when I went to this place, and and well, the EMS bodysuit, which I think is quite people are quite familiar with it. But what they told me, I mean, they told me all sorts of you know Ashley Graham, Alessandra Ambrosio, Ryan Bertrand, all these athletes who who use it and models. Do you no, use the EMS thing? I can't think of anything worse than being electrocuted constantly. <laughs> Twenty but. minute program of an EMS machine is considered to be the equivalent of an hour long workout in the gym. It's this kind of get more mm. in a shorter time. That's okay, but it comes at a cost. Like you have to understand that exercise is a form of stress if you're electrocuting yourself and you know exercising for some people that might be very stressful and that's fine but the adaptation and the benefit occurs in the recovery period so it's that what that's what the important bit not just electrocuting that's not going to do anything apart from stress you out i mean when i read this it's, it's completely bonkers but the other thing that i did talk about before which i did like it's called the infra shape you know that mm, so no, that yeah. is it's it's a vacuum pod you put on it combines cardio exercise with this sort of recumbent bike with a vacuum technology of under pressure pressure massage infrared heating and collagen benefits so you basically put on a sort of neoprene mm. skirt mm. You put your legs into this thing the heat whooshes in you cycle and I thought that was a really kind of exciting and fun. If you're going to do it and you want to do it, that's a really fun way of doing it. And it's a sort of lunch hour thing. You know, it's you get so it done. It's funny that you say that because um, 
my coach when I was an athlete and he was way ahead of his time he didn't he wouldn't know what a biohacker was or want to know he used to make the slightly bigger people athletes run around the track in Thailand he used to take us there for a heat camp in wetsuits neoprene shorts so that's it so that's yeah. what I was doing first. this was of that. 12 years ago you know yeah. if not longer because um, they've added the technology in a movie yeah. oh, I got a movie as well so there that's we are that's good but you know if you want to do it cheaply then just buy a um, you know some wetsuit pants on eBay and and, and your sauna at home you have 20, 200 quid pop up yeah. and jump there around a bit so yeah. someone who has sleep disorder where do you start there? depends how long it's been going for I think and whether there's a hormonal driver are they perimenopausal are they you know overexerting and therefore you know is there a hormonal component is there you know what is the psychology behind it we're using the aura ring I have worked with sleep consultants Guy's Hospital he does sleep lag work but also with Greg Potter who is PhD in sleep he essentially a lot of it is behavior training work you know looking at your bedtime retreat routine looking at when you have stimulants in the day and those kind of things the simple sort of sleep hygiene work and then looking at sleep supplements that people can use magnesium and different types but your wind down routine and then different supplementary support are there any hormonal drivers yeah and then if there's potentially in other people there's you know is stress in you know and the, the perseverance and the the wind of stress at night and that can have be deep rooted and that's where psychological work might be needed sometimes i literally haven't slept in months i wake up I in a hormonal kind of hysteria at about mm, it's getting earlier and earlier and then i'm awake for maybe three hours i've been taking cbd i don't know if, if it helps but i would do anything to sleep but you're not on hormones. I think I'm so far on the other side of hormones. I mean, I am. I'm, I'm on HRT, but I just wake up with anxiety mm. and it gets worse and worse and worse. Have you tried all the various supplements? I try supplements. I've tried supplements. Melatonin. I have a funny, I have a funny relationship with magnesium. It goes straight to my stomach. The citrate version will and the yeah. oxide. It's yeah. only the glycinate that's calming for yeah. the brain. I should, I should. And I haven't tried melatonin, actually. We Maybe use um, something idea. from the US again called Dr. Kirk Parsley's Sleep Remedy, which he was a military physician that tried to get soldiers off conventional sleeping tablets and he made something that worked and it's got you know it's got a little bit of melatonin GABA and various different tryptophan based things in it and it works it seems to help oh well give me the name because I'll yeah. try it I try anything at this point I can give you a few options there yeah. but you know if this is if it's long-standing one I would get your hormones checked because you know if you're on standard HRT potentially you're not having enough bioidentical progesterone mm. which is nature's calming mm. one so often people do well on you know adding that in you might just not be on the right dose mm. or there are lots of other things you can think about it's the most horrible thing not sleeping it's difficult i've been through insomnia as well so i understand and also you know there are some sleeping meds some old school tricyclics amitriptyline which at a low dose can really help with anxiety but also keep you asleep. yes i used to yes i i used to take that I mean, the thing with me, as Marianne will uh, attest to, is that I start things and then I I kind of don't, like, I hate taking stuff and I then I end up with a pile of stuff that I'm taking and if it's not for one thing, it's another and then I just, I stop. That's me, I'm not the, I'm the lay person in this room, so 
I'm not very I'm good. I'm like that too. I don't. I I can't keep up with. It has to be simple. That's why my skincare. I made it simple. If it's not simple, I can't. I'm not compliant. So I think yeah, like I said, the big levers are important, right? Sleep's your major lever, right? That affects everything. So you need sleep as the number one. It's what's driving the sleep. Is as I said, is it the hormones or can we? we look at any other psychological things and go back to something that's worked in the past and give yourself a break beating yourself up whether about taking stuff just take the one thing that makes the biggest difference on that note thank you so much for coming in and thank talking you to Tamsin. Us today. so sweet of so you to come I, always very interesting i think you know there's so much room to go further and dive for everybody mm-hmm. i think we're just on the the outskirts really we don't really know as much as we will but for anyone listening so you're working on a piece about all of this right now potentially a, a book at the moment oh, yeah we've got a few different options but we're doing a series with the with the telegraph i have been doing with helen for for a month now looking at all these different biohacking technologies and um, how they can impact different different areas of function which pages is she on life lifestyle or women's pages or just so people know where to look uh it was a the first one was originally in the paper but i think it's just telegraph if you just put helen co and taylor telegraph it comes up i think it's a a weekly health series on the major telegraph okay Great. Thank you. Thank you so much much for joining us. Thank you. And we'll see you again in two weeks. In the meantime, please follow us on Insta at the Guinea Pig Podcast and drop us a line at the Guinea Pig Podcast at gmail.com. Bye for now. Bye. The Guinea Pig provides unbiased information to those who may be considering cosmetic surgery or even trialing a non-invasive treatment or product. We do not endorse the use of any product or procedure featured in this podcast and are not responsible for the outcome of any of the treatments featured on this podcast or damage caused in connection with any treatments or products. Should you decide to try any of the procedures, treatments or products mentioned in any episode of The Guinea Pig, you do so at your own risk. Always consult an independent and fully qualified medical professional if you are considering embarking on a medical procedure, irrespective of whether it's an invasive or non-invasive procedure. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.